so much, Jalen. Whoa, almost just slipped on that rug. That would have been a really bad way to start. <laughs> well, good morning, everyone. If I don't know you yet, my name is Wes Nichols, and I'm one of the pastors here on staff at HP Prez, and I have the distinct honor of ministering to our 7th to 12th grade students and their parents. And because I do that, I find myself often in situations where I'm having to answer the question, is this the wise thing to do? Is it wise to talk to your friend that way? Is it wise to, to parent in this set pattern? Is it wise to put a bunch of fireworks in a trash can and see what happens? Um, <laughs> yeah, heard about that. And I want to clarify that is not an example from this church. That's a friend at a, a different church, a colleague will say. We would never do that here unless Brian ordered us to. And <laughs> Brian, if you do, we will. <laughs> so regardless of how it comes to me, the word wise comes up over and over again. So what is wisdom? In the Bible, there are books of wisdom like Proverbs that we can absorb or, or verses that specifically sound incredibly wise. But do we as a people of God know what biblical wisdom actually is? We're in a series where we're talking about the book of 1 Corinthians and getting back to the basics of what it means to be the church together. Brian started off our series a few weeks ago talking about how God does not want us to be divided. He wants us to be united. Next, we took a clear look at the gospel and talked about how it will always be foolishness to those who don't understand it because the free message of Jesus Christ sounds too good to be true sometimes. And I want to echo the words that Jalen told to us last week and just welcome anyone that is here, whether you've professed faith in Jesus or not. I know from my own experience and my own time being a non-believer before I met Jesus, what it's like to sit in chairs at church and not really know what everyone's talking about. So I just want you to know that wherever you're at with your faith this morning, that you're welcome. And as a church staff, we're here because we want to proclaim the risen Jesus, because we want to lift up his name. But know that if you're not in that space yet, that you're not alone. And I get it, it sounds kind of weird when Christians talk about how something we can't see or hear or touch defines wisdom and truth. And I'll be the first one to own that. But my hope is that for all of us this morning, Jesus will reveal more of himself and why he clicks to Christians today. So we're gonna be expanding on that idea of wisdom and how Jesus influences wisdom and how wisdom specifically from God begins and ends with the gospel. Wisdom from God is not wisdom from the world. So let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2 together and dive in. We're going to be staying specifically in verses 6 through 16. So if you have your Bible, I'd invite you to keep it open, because I'm going to be stopping and starting a little bit, but we'll have it up on the screens as well. And as you're turning, if you are, uh, let's pray as we get to that point. Holy Spirit, we pray that you would fill this church this morning. We pray that you would fill and influence our understanding of your word, Lord, that your voice, that your wisdom would be louder than anything we can create for ourselves. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. So starting in verses six through eight, it says this. Yet among the mature, we do impart wisdom. Although it's not a wisdom of this age or of the rulers of this age who are doomed to pass away, but we impart a secret, hidden wisdom of God which God decreed before the ages for our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood this, for if they had, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. We're gonna stop there for a sec. So Paul says that this wisdom is what brings about spiritual maturity. 
and clarifies that it's something different from what the rulers of this age are talking about. The first thing that we need to frame together if we're going to understand this wisdom is what Paul is talking about according in this passage. So as a little helpful tool, I want to tell a story to y'all about when I was in seventh grade. I know it doesn't look like it was that long ago, but I promise it was a long time. Um, so in seventh grade, I was in a small group at my church, and I will never forget this one meeting that we had where we were going around and doing an icebreaker, and the question was, what is your favorite band of all time? And for some reason, it was really important to me to sound like I had good taste in music. And so when it, yeah, so when it was my turn, I responded and said, uh, my favorite band is called Panic at the Disco. Have you heard of them? Um, in exactly that voice. It hasn't really changed much since seventh grade. But as a little background, Panic at the Disco had just put out their first album at this point. And so they were really popular and everyone knew who they were. But for me, it was really important that everyone thought that I knew them best. I needed to be the one that had this special knowledge about Panic at the Disco. And this isn't a perfect example, but what it shows is that even at a young age, I was naturally predisposed toward valuing a kind of wisdom that is based in humanity rather than based in God. And I often find that as Christians, we tend to forget the kind of wisdom in the world and that it's contrary with the wisdom of God. And this is a problem that the church in Corinth had too. Paul, in this passage that we read, is trying to call our attention to the fact that the church in Corinth was splitting their understanding of wisdom between worldly wisdom and the wisdom of God. Because you see, Corinth's culture had this idea that if you knew things, if you had a greater knowledge or wisdom than someone else, that it lifted you above the rest of society. It gave you this prestige. If you knew things, it automatically elevated you higher. And I think it's pretty funny how similar that is to the way things operate in our own world now. Even excluding my panic at the disco moment, I can think of many instances where knowing more than other people has made me feel more important or made me put a higher value on myself. But God's wisdom is not this way because it begins and ends with the gospel. So what is the gospel? Brian said it best last week when he said that wisdom is Jesus. That's the great mystery that Paul is talking about to us in verses six through eight. So again, what is the gospel? Jalen talked about it really well last week. And uh, as Christians, though, I think this is something that we have to turn back to every single day. And so just to reiterate, in case maybe you weren't here, the gospel is the simple truth that Jesus, the Son of God, died on the cross for our sins. And then he rose from the grave so that if we believe in him and repent of our sins, we will receive eternal life and salvation. It's so simple. But if you're a Christian, then this is the core of who you are. This is the foundation, the beginning and the end of everything. So it makes sense that Paul wants us to know that wisdom from God begins and ends with the gospel, with this foundational truth about Jesus. So how does the gospel form the foundation for wisdom? As I was thinking about this, I said, yeah, it's, it's clear that it forms the, the foundation for Christianity, but how does that evolve into actual wisdom? I wouldn't call myself wise. Again, we have to get back to the difference between what the world considers wise and what gospel-centered wisdom is. N.T. Wright, super wise guy, calls gospel-centered wisdom God's strange wisdom because this sort of understanding doesn't belong to this age at all. It belongs to the age to come. And speaking of it, to those who aren't already part of this age to come, 
is like speaking of a sunrise to blind people. Only those who have believed in the rising of the Son of God can even begin to understand what wisdom is. For the rest, it's as mad as the gospel itself. And mad is a British way to say crazy. Uh, Paul was preaching a message that was foolishness to the Greeks and scandalous to the Jews. The people who were hearing the gospel from him couldn't wrap their heads around it because the idea that your whole life and eternity should be based on the actions of someone else seemed crazy to them. They wanted to follow Jesus, they really did, but they let that be secondary to what they could accomplish themselves. For the Greeks, it was the, the prestige, the, the knowledge and wisdom they could gain through their accomplishments. And for the Jews, it was the, the absolution, the great exhale that they felt from being able to do works-based salvation tasks and accomplish their salvation on their own. Both people groups within the church were trying to believe in Jesus without letting him be the center of their lives. They were like blind people trying to see the sunrise. They just couldn't see the entire picture. Gospel-based wisdom begins and ends with the fact that Jesus did all of it for us. It's a worldview that has the death and resurrection of Christ as its foundation. So when you are looking at the world around you and trying to figure out what the wise thing is, you're supposed to start with Jesus first before going to other sources. And I want to be clear that this wisdom isn't trying to say that your experience or your intelligence doesn't matter to God. Experience and intelligence are super important to God. Otherwise, why would he have had Paul send this letter? Paul had had so much experience living life as a non-believer and then experience living life as a believer. He had experience, and God had him send this letter because of that. But what Paul is saying is that all believers, regardless of their experience, regardless of their age, must start at the same place with Jesus. The world is filled with voices that sound wise or attractive, and I even called on some of them when I was writing this sermon. You saw that N.T. Wright quote up there earlier, like N.T. Wright and Anthony Thistleton. I get such good content from them. They're really wise guys. But we need these reminders of the truth, but what Paul is saying is that those reminders, even the sources we use in things, should never lead us to push aside the central message of Jesus. That always has to come first. That's what the rulers of the current present age did that Paul mentioned, and when they pushed Jesus aside, essentially they pushed him up the hill to die. They crucified the Lord of glory. And when we let other voices become the first thing that we follow, we're essentially pushing Jesus aside in the same way. It's like sending him to the cross all over again. Starting with the gospel truth allows us to filter through the voices that hold wisdom and the voices that don't. I had no idea about this until recently, but Anna Crumpler on my staff pointed it out to me because she is wise in all things of the present day and age. But apparently there is a group of people who call themselves Christians on TikTok that call themselves the TikTok prophets. I'd never heard of this before, but apparently you can pay them money and they will give you a prophecy, which is crazy. Like that's not biblical, but they're out there on TikTok doing it. And as I was thinking about this, I said, this is a perfect example of people starting with themselves and then moving forward to advertise that they have special knowledge or wisdom that other people don't. This is the mentality that the people in Corinth had. And what Paul is trying to remind us of is that we, even as people who know Jesus, are not the ones who originate or control wisdom from God. God is the one who controls that. And to claim otherwise is to claim something other than the gospel. So how do we really hear God? 
What do we do to sift through truth and lies? Let's keep reading in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 to go a little deeper into that together. We're going to start at verse 9. It says this. But as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor ear heard, nor the heart of man imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might freely understand the things given to us by God. Jesus tells us in John chapter 14, verse 16, that he will ask his father and that his father will provide an advocate for us. And that advocate is the Holy Spirit who Paul is talking about in what we just read and who lives in every single person when they believe the gospel. He says, I will send the advocate to you. I love the logic that Paul uses to talk about the spirit and to talk about wisdom here. Who knows our own thoughts better than ourselves? In the same way, who knows God's thoughts better than himself? God's self, his mind, his love for us lives within us. So when we struggle to avoid following the rulers of this day who are trying to sell us their wisdom, we can come back to that central truth and idea. When we encounter something that someone calls wisdom, are we filtering it through the mind and wisdom of God or through ourselves? If you think about it this way, animals have instincts. You can't train a seagull not to eat trash on the beach. I mean, no matter what you do, you're running after it, clapping, like it'll still come back, no matter what. And I'm like, that's my sandwich, but the seagull can have it. So in the same way, guys, we have received the spirit of God and we can lean back on the instincts that that puts within us by our knowledge of God when we hear other voices. We have those instincts from the Spirit. Paul takes this even further in verse 13, saying, and we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the Spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. For who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ through the spirit of God, who is our advocate, who dwells within us. Remember that wisdom from God begins and ends with the gospel, and that belief in the gospel brings us that very Holy Spirit. We know who our God is. He saved us. We know him because he saved us, building wisdom out of his sacrificial love that put us first. Paul's saying that we have all of the tools that we need to understand that and to step into the simplicity of the wisdom that the gospel brings because the Holy Spirit lives within us. But again, how do we do that? How do we avoid becoming blind people searching for a sunrise that we'll never see? I'd argue that we need to do three things. We need to practice awareness, humility, and hunger. If you put the first letter of each of these words together, it makes an acronym that spells AH, which um, is what I say whenever I hear something wise, so I thought it'd help me remember it. I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a big acronym guy. 
So when I say awareness, what I mean is that we have to work on paying attention to whether or not what we're taking in filters through the gospel or through the world. We gotta take a, a mental inventory of things every day and ask ourselves whether we're acting on things from a place that's centered in our love for Jesus or whether we're living according to the wisdom of the world. As a, a brief little example, I was on my way to a counseling appointment this Friday and I really, really hate being late. So I left 20 minutes before the appointment, even though I only had a 10 minute drive, which I know is aggressive, but I don't like being late. If you remember though, on Friday, it was raining a lot and that slowed traffic down. And I ended up being like five minutes late because of it. And even though it was only five minutes, I was so mad because I planned ahead. And by all logic and by my handy dandy Waze app on my phone, it, the plan should have worked. You know, there, it said I was gonna be there at the right time, but I wasn't. And as I was walking inside, I immediately started apologizing to my counselor and he just was laughing at me, telling me like it wasn't a big deal because he was running late too. He said, calm down Wes, it's good, you know, it'll be good. Again, this isn't a perfect example, but what it reminds me of is the fact that human wisdom often rests in the space of what should work, where God's wisdom rests in the space of what will work and what has already worked in Jesus. Adjusting the timing for error myself should have worked, but it didn't, and that made me frustrated. Jesus, though, will never fail us the way the things of this world will because his sacrifice already worked. The gospel already worked and still works to this day and it always will. To allow wisdom to begin and end with the gospel, we have to be aware of where our wisdom starts from. Does it start from our own power and what should work or does it start from the knowledge that is in Jesus that it is finished and that will work? Is your awareness of your relationship with Jesus influencing the way that you view the world? Remember that belief in the gospel brings us the gift of the Holy Spirit, the spirit and mind of Christ. And this means that this wisdom is alive and growing within us, that it gives us these instincts that we can fall back on when we practice this awareness and seek God's presence through that practice. So next we move to humility. Think about the same story I mentioned about running late to that counseling appointment. In that situation, I'll be honest that, to say that I lacked a lot of humility. Um, when the clock started to run down, I started to get super angry at everybody else on the road around me, and I was whipping my Ford Escape like it was a race car. I said to myself, these people have no idea how to drive, and they are making me late. Forget about the rain, it's their fault. What little humility I had. I was like a Corinthian thinking that my special knowledge gave me special status and that everyone was beneath me even though I didn't actually have any special knowledge. How could I judge that I was a better driver in the rain than the next guy? I don't have any certification. I was deluding myself through my pride to think that I had secret wisdom. Jesus, the Son of God, who knew everything because he was the Son of God humbled himself through his death on the cross. And to me, there is no greater picture of that humility than God giving up his perfect life for us sinners. If we remember that same humility and approach life with it, then we will see true wisdom because it helps us to remember that the things of this world, our fears and our failures and our trials will fade away, but that Jesus will remain the same. Humility lets us quiet ourselves so that we can hear the voice of the Holy Spirit 
and tune into the wisdom that sounds foolish unless we know Christ. I don't know about y'all, but when I am not approaching life with humility, I often find that even though Jesus is my savior, I tend to hear my own brand of wisdom so much louder than anything from God. Humility is what opens our ears so that we can hear in all circumstances. And now finally, we come to hunger. We have to have a hunger for God and our lives that is greater than anything else in this world. And what I love about hunger is that it's involuntary. It's part of the way that God created our bodies and not just for food. God gave us passions. He gave us things that we want to learn about, that we're interested in. I cannot imagine my life without a passion for Georgia football. Go dogs. <laughs> Amen. I would feel incomplete without that interest in being a fan and learning more about team strategy. I gotta know what Kirby's doing this season. But if that were my only hunger, I would be like the rulers of the day that Paul was talking about. I would be blind to the sunrise that is Jesus. When you meet Jesus, your life is changed forever, but the world is still there. Every single day, I have to ask Jesus to fill me with his presence and to give me a greater hunger for him so that I am seeking him first before anything else. That is the true beginning of wisdom, letting everything else take a second seat so that we can begin and end with Jesus. And if you are here and you're looking for ways to work on these things, please know that we are here to support you as a church body. If you want to ask the hard questions at Alpha or you want to develop your hunger for God through our first Corinthians journals that we have out there, if you want to grab one, we want to come alongside you in that and are happy to talk to you more about how we can do that and what our church has to offer after the service. Again, guys, though, no matter what, just know we're never going to do any of this perfectly. But I truly believe that wisdom from God begins and ends with the gospel. And if we can reacquaint ourselves with the truth of the gospel every day by working on awareness, humility, and hunger for that truth, then I truly believe that we will be on the road that Paul was trying to put the Corinthians on in this letter. We will become people like Jesus who know that no matter what traffic looks like or what our taste in music is, that we can take refuge in the fact that in Jesus, it's finished. And that is the kind of wisdom that grows. Wisdom from God begins and ends with the gospel. Let us pray. Holy God, we lift this to you. We pray that you would be with us as we continue to worship and as we go throughout our week so that we can learn more of who you are in your infinite wisdom. Help us to remember the gospel, Lord, to grow in awareness, humility, and hunger so that we can see more of you each day. In Christ's name we pray, amen.